I'll say, bless the Lord. And if you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Well, good evening. I'm Chris Brooks. I'm the pastor here at Kairos. And Kairos is our honest and unique attempt to connect to God and each other. Wow, we didn't expect this many people in our living room tonight. So uh, thanks so much for our greeters and hospitality team uh, bringing out extra chairs. Hope you guys can find a seat. Um, And I'm glad... Uh, It's just the Christmas season. We pack into small places um, and rub shoulders with people we normally don't get to and uh, smile and pretend we love them. So (laughs) Merry Christmas. Maybe that's just my family. Um, If you're new with us, thanks so much for being here. Um, If you're here and you're just considering the claims of Christ, I'm so glad. I think you picked a great night. Um, I hope you'll test our community and see if it's true. And I hope you'll discover that the Jesus that we gather underneath is also reliable and real. Um, We're in the middle of Advent season, and Advent is simply a Latin word that means the coming. And so we are celebrate the coming of the Christ child, but we are also anticipating, waiting, and longing for the second coming, when he won't come as a child, but he'll come as king. And so that's what we remind ourselves of. That's why we sing these songs that are woven into the textures of our families and traditions for a lot of us, uh, because there's gospel truth in there. Um, And Advent, for me, uh, especially was reminded of it, uh, last week my Psalm of the Week was Psalm 17. And Psalm 17, eight simply says this, God, would you keep me as the apple of your eye, and would you hide me in the shadow of your wings? So Advent reminds us that because of Jesus, God will keep us as the apple of his eye. That because of Jesus, God in his power and his provision will nestle us in and hide us in the shadow of his wings. And that because of Jesus during Advent, we're reminded that hope has answered us. And so our text tonight is Luke chapter two, starting in verse 25. And we're gonna read that and be reminded that hope has answered us. Um, As we read that, I want you to listen in to Simeon's reaction, waiting his entire life for hope to answer him in a specific way that the Holy Spirit informed him about, and see what his reaction is to Mary and Joseph and to the child Jesus. So we're in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. Now there was in Jerusalem a a man called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ or the Messiah. Moved by the spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child of Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people in Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. 
Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that it will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll respond by saying thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. Hope has answered Simeon. He's waited his entire life to see the Christ child. Hope has answered Mary and Joseph just eight days before in a meager stable. They gave birth to Jesus. And because of what has happened, hope has answered us tonight. Now, when you came in, you saw all the prayer cards and Boggs was telling you about them. These are all of your prayer requests that you trusted us with in 2016. And so we have prayer walls at every service and we just have a simple prayer exercise because we believe it's important to pray, it's our primary strategy, but also we think it's invaluable for you guys to name and ask and long and hope and wait for the Lord to answer you. And so they're all hanging here. Each card that you see has been individually prayed for the ministers, by the ministers on the Kairos team. And there are some that would dangle from these lights and tell you emphatically that hope has answered us. That God has boldly and dramatically declared his glory and goodness in ways that we couldn't possibly dream or imagine. There are some of you that the Lord has built your faith and your trust and your confidence in him. And there's ones like this that we just got last week. This is not a request, rather a praise. One month ago, I put a prayer card asking that you all would pray for my dad and that the walls guarding his heart would be broken down and he would allow God's love to come in and save him. He gave his life to Christ two Sundays ago, then got baptized last Sunday. Thank you, Kairos, for being faithful. And thank you, God, for answering prayers. Amen? Hope has answered us. And now there's someone who's been born into the kingdom of God and who has new life and liberty that's found in Jesus Christ. And I imagine there's plenty more that could tell stories just like that. But there's some that are still hanging, waiting, and longing for hope to answer them. And it hasn't come yet in ways that they've yet perceived or in ways that they yet know. I was reminded of this, I'll show you a picture. This came up on my time hop this morning. Two years ago, uh, we buried my grandfather who had cancer. And of course, we prayed for healing. And our philosophy here is we're gonna pray for healing and it's not gonna be because we didn't ask. And we believe that we'll keep praying for healing until you're healed, uh, until you die and you're ultimately healed or until Christ comes again. Because those are our options for those of us who believe and the power of the resurrected Lord. But my grandfather's a great reminder, and that, by the way, that should tell you everything you know about my grandfather. <laughs> if you can see what it says underneath his last name, waiting for the rapture. That's just, <laughs> he's old school Baptist, um, and he, he, he will witness even why he's dead, all right? <laughs> I'm sure he prayed over that gravestone, which he probably bargained for it to be at rock bottom prices. Um, <laughs> and is hoping that someone comes to Christ based off of his epitaph. But Donald Nehemiah Brooks is in between the two advents. 
And he received the love of the Lord by accepting his first coming and believing in his ultimate healing when the second coming happens. And there are some of you who stumbled into this room tonight, busy or broken, and you're in between the two advents. And I just wanna remind you tonight from the power and authority of God's word that hope has answered us and that hope is answering us. And that for some of us, we're discovering that even when we wrote a prayer tag up, the circumstance hasn't changed one bit. In fact, sometimes it's gotten worse, but slowly we're discovering it's we who are changing in the midst of that. And that hope is answering us in ways that we didn't think were possible. Hope has answered us also in a, a different way. Uh, tonight in the room, we have uh, someone who was a part of founding Kairos. About 11 years ago, a group of young adults got together and they started praying and pursuing God for a place where they could honestly and authentically encounter the living Jesus. They had no money, no resources that they could see. There was no ministers, no musicians, no technicians, nothing, not even this room at the time. And they just began praying and believing that hope would answer them. And hope has answered us, and we are in this place because of the prayers and the service of those people. And one of those people is Kyla, and I'd like for her to come up here, and Stephanie, our Kairos Connection Coordinator, is gonna introduce you to her. And we're just gonna tell you a little bit about her story and then where she's headed next, and then we're gonna ask for the distinct opportunity to pray and commission you out. Stephanie. Can you hear me? Oh, hi. Um, well, this is my dear friend, Kyla, and I just wanted to come up here and introduce y'all to her and tell you a little bit about her. She is about to leave uh, for DC, where she will serve as the director of a new human trafficking program um, with the Salvation Army. And um, for those of you who, you who don't know her, like Chris said, she was one of the original, um, or part, ooh, part of the original team that founded Kairos and that got Kairos started. Um, so for that, we are very, very thankful um, to her. She served for seven years on Kairos leadership, um, and it was actually through a Kairos missions trip to LA in 2009 that um, her heart was awakened for missions, and after that, um, she sold everything that she owned and moved out there in 2010 to work as a full-time volunteer in a home, a recovery home for trafficking victims. Um, she worked out there for many years, and um, Kyla's been the, the answer to hope for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, in six years, she has facilitated 400 uh, rescues, mm -hmm. and yeah, give it up for that. Bless the Lord. Yeah. And we're really excited to see what the Lord is going to do next through your life in D.C., um, so from those of us who are now the recipient of your legacy here at Kairos, we thank you. Um, and just cannot wait to see how the Lord uses you in DC. Yeah. I was talking with Kyla beforehand and I asked her, I said, what would you wanna say to yourself 10 years ago, sitting at Kairos? And she said, one was that I realized I lived in a comfort bubble um, and I would encourage myself to puncture that and to get out there and be the hands and feet of Jesus. And then she said, the other thing I would encourage myself to do is to unlearn fear. Um, and so for someone who 10 years ago would have said, I just wanna be comfortable and I'm not really sure what I have to offer, 
who is now a tangible representation for other people that hope has answered us in the person of Jesus. So here's what I'd like to do. Um, I'm just gonna pray over Kyla, and then in just a second, I'm gonna ask us to stand and commission her out as our representative. Does that sound good? Good, let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the wood of the cross so that everyone might come within reach of your saving embrace. So we ask you to clothe us in your spirit that we might reach forth our hands in love and may bring those who do not know you closer to your glory and goodness and so that they will come to see through Kyla that hope has indeed answered us, amen. So as the Kairos congregation, would you be so kind as to stand? And if you were around with Kyla during that time or you're a close friend, would you come up here and lay hands on her as an act of blessing and significance and something that is prescribed in the Bible for us to do? Step forward just a little bit. And congregation, if you would be comfortable, just extend a hand out. If you've got someone in front of you, just push them out of their way. I'm just kidding, sorry. So Kyla, we bless you as you go and we give all the praise and glory to God. Because of the blood of Jesus, we ask God to fill your heart with the power of the Holy Spirit. We send you forth as a messenger of salvation and peace to boldly declare and demonstrate the life and liberation that comes through Jesus the Christ. You are marked with the sign of the cross and you are anchored in his grace. So we say together, now go, Kyla, make disciples that make disciples. Take the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ into all the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Bless the Lord. You guys can have a seat. Yeah. So Kyla will be around hanging out. If you wanna talk to her more, um, about her journey um, and her particular brand of missions, please do. If you're interested um, in taking the first step like she did a number of years ago, just fill out an information card at the info bar and just say, hey, I'm interested in what your mission journeys are and I'd love to puncture that comfort bubble. Um, and although her story terrifies me, for some reason it's incredibly attractive and I sense the Lord speaking to me and I want to be obedient to that. I would encourage you guys um, to do that. So that's, again, that's why we pray, because hope can answer us in the most unexpected ways. Again, it's why we come here and we hang cards on a wooden wall, because Jesus was the answer to our prayers and he hung on a wooden cross. It's why we raise our requests to God, because God raised his son, Jesus Christ, from the dead. And it's why we continue to hope and wait and pray, because hope has answered us. Because Christ was born, Christ was crucified, Christ is risen, and Christ is coming again. Hope indeed has answered us. It's answered Kyla, it's answered a father who's in the kingdom, it's answered Donald Brooks, it's answered Simeon in this text, and it's answered Joseph and Mary. But if you remember from last week, that favor of God and that hope comes with a cost. And sometimes it doesn't seem that that favor is fair. 
Now granted, Mary will come to understand that it is far beyond her wildest expectations, that when hope answers her, it's gonna be infinitely more than she can hope, think, dream, or imagine, but it's also going to be more dangerous, difficult, and dirty than she could have anticipated. And I wonder if in this text, she still isn't in the middle of that paradox of faith, remembering what it was like eight days ago to give birth to the Son of God in a humble stable, and then hearing the words of Simeon's prophecy over her, that her son and the act of her obedience and the act of her faith will result in the fact that people will speak out against him, that that will be the sign, and that when her son is crucified on a Roman cross, a sword will pierce her own soul. It will be more difficult, dangerous, and dirty than she imagined. And I, a lot of times when we come to the Christmas season and the Christmas story, we hear it so many times. And I, I have no problems with that, to be honest with you. Um, as shocking as it sounds, I don't mind being a traditionalist. I don't mind creating ruts of righteousness. I don't mind making sure that we tell the same stories again and again as a healing reminder. We do run the risk though sometimes of becoming numb to the story and the reality. And a lot of times what we need to do is ask the Holy Spirit to hopefully give us a new perspective. One of the ways that's helpful for me um, is reading a lot of different uh, interpretations or artistic representations of the Christmas story. One of the things that's a sheer delight, and I'm gonna ask the band to come up as I read this. It's called The Book of God as a Novel by Walter Wagnerin Jr. Um, this guy is a writer, a theologian, um, and a biblical scholar, and he just took his gift for words and writing and decided to write the Christmas account and pretty much the whole Bible, so it's a big book, um, as a novel with character descriptions. He would imagine with a sanctified imagination based off the text, based off his historical research, uh, what they might have looked like, what they might have gone through. And so with your permission, I'm gonna read once again what Mary had experienced eight days ago. Now, I have to give this disclaimer, I will lose it, okay? If you don't know me, I'm emotional, and if that offends you, prepare to be offended. Um, and for those of us who have been through actually the childbirthing process, it, it, it can be profane in what is happening, but it is sacred and holy on a whole different level. Um, and this story for me at least helps recapture some of that. And so I pray that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes to a new perspective. Mary cried out and fell from the donkey. Joseph caught her. With his feet, he kicked together a huge pile of clean straw. He laid Mary there. Joseph felt completely helpless. His face was on fire with fear and foolishness. Mary twisted her body around, first to her left side, then over her hands and knees. Joseph kept his hands in place, overcome by his wife's extraordinary strength and wisdom. Steady me, she cried. Joseph trembled, his throat was raw. He smelled the mossy scent of Mary's sweating. Her hair was thick and tangled under his face, all filled with dust and straw. Now the squeal, as thin as a harp string, endlessly long, began to sing in the cave stable. Joseph felt the sound between his arms. It was Mary's tiny cry, 
growing stronger, growing louder, never breaking for breath. The surge of power was gathering within her, driving downward, driving her baby out into the world. Suddenly a baby lay on his back in the straw under his mother, his face confronting Mary's face directly. She burst into tears. She fell backwards against Joseph, howling in delight, relief, and pain, and great sorrow. The baby kicked and wrinkled his face and began to cry. Mary reached up and pulled the beard of her husband. Wash him, wash my baby, wash the blood away, wash him perfectly clean. The infant streaked with blood and mucus as he washed it. He watched the tiny body turn from blue to light pink and then to a rose color as if small fires had begun to burn within him. He wiped the baby cleaned. The baby sighed. Joseph could not stand the glory of the moment. Mary looked wet and exhausted as gravestones after the rain. Joseph laid the, Mary, uh, the baby upon Mary. Mary bit linen, some linen and tore off a thin strip. With this, she tied a knot in the cord that had connected the holy child to her body. Then she took the knife and cut the connection forever. Both the mother and baby cried. Jesus, she whispered. She gathered him into her arms and rocked him. Jesus, Jesus, little Yeshi, how you are and I love you, baby boy. In the lantern light, Joseph saw the great beasts surrounding them. They raised their heads, sniffing the air. Perhaps the birthing scent spoke even to them of primal matters. Joseph, cried Mary. Yes, she said. Do you want to hold your baby? The huge man is plain as an ox, thick in all his parts, heavy and ruinous creature. And the child in his arms was so light, composed of such crushable sticks. But Jesus opened his eyes and looked at the huge head and the beard above him. Little Jesus gazed and was not afraid. Therefore, Joseph, filled with the sense of his undeserving, began to weep and quickly laid the tiny boy in the feed trough for safekeeping and sleeping. Mary whispered, you see, you bore the baby too. Ah, Mary was generous and beautiful. She put her swollen fingers to her brow and wiped back the stricken strands of black hair back. Joseph, she said softly, would you come here with your clean cloth? Husband, would you darken the lantern and come and wash me clean too? We're gonna play a song over you. And during this time, I just ask you to reflect and ask the Holy Spirit to give you a fresh perspective on the Christmas and Advent story.